0: Will you turn with me? We have two short readings, then a slightly longer reading. So for our shorter readings, you can maybe mark them in your Bible. Go to the book of Exodus, chapter 27, please. Exodus 27. This evening we're going to look at the four-square gospel. What is it? People get intimidated by it, or people get afraid of it, Or people don't know it. What do we mean? We're going to show you the pattern first of all, the Bible pattern of the four square, and then as we take you through, we're going to show you how I believe, brothers and sisters, Ulster is in a terrible state. It's in a dangerous position this evening. Enemies within. Enemies without fifth columns bringing down this ulster homeland of ours britain is in a terrible state in general united kingdom being swamped with godlessness atheism perversion britain is in a terrible state ireland's in a terrible state these islands are in a terrible way the enemy is having his way but with something to say to him that God is still on the throne and he is still in control of all matters and of all issues. And repairing this altar, I believe, should be by the church, in the church, for the nation. And as the the church goes, so goeth the nation. The church has become watered down. It's become weak. It's become spineless. It's become cowardly when I think of the Reformation of men and women tied to the stake in the fires of Smithfield and burned to death for that which Christ had shown them. And now we have men behind the pulpit who would rather uh, stand and tell you candy floss sermons, bigwig, so-called charismatic leaders, I'm sad to say, who are now saying that the Pope of Rome is a brother in Christ and that the Protestant Reformation was a spirit of disunity? Now, that is from the mouth of Kenneth Copeland himself, the arch enemy of Christ. The Protestant Reformation was the greatest move of the Holy Ghost since the day of Pentecost. When truth came into the church, but since that time, we had men who were gathered up across Britain and Europe, and men who stood for the Word of God, men from Martin Luther even before him, John Huss. We had men like uh, uh, of John Calvin. We had the the Whitfiends. We had men like Wesley. We had Charles Haddon Spurgeon. We had people like General Booth of the Salvation Army, we had great missionary endeavor, and now the church has become a shadow of its former self. It has thrown out throughout the ages the Pentecostal flame of the day of the promise of the Father in Acts chapter 2, and it has just taken part of this altar. It's still ill and broken down. I believe the four-square gospel is to be raised in the church once more before the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is coming. So before, I, I don't want to preach before I read. And I don't want to preach before I preach. Now let's turn to this first verse of Exodus 27. And thou shalt make an altar of sit wood, Notice the dimensions. Five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. You read on, there are horns in this altar to tie the sacrifice. It would not come off nor fall off, but would be slain, and the blood would be shed on this. It would be bound, as it were, by hand and foot. A type of Christ on the cross. nailed hand and foot on the cross for you, and I when you go to chapter 28, please now we look at verse 15 and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod thou shalt make it of gold of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine twined linen shalt thou make it four square it shall be doubled a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. After that, you will read of four rows of jewels, or rather three rows of four, and you will read of those twelve jewels, and you will read of that as representing the twelve tribes of Israel, written every one in the stone of the breastplate of judgment of the high priest of Israel. Now, will you go to our third and our longer reading in First Kings, chapter 18, please? And we'll have to explain some of this chapter to you. For time's sake, we'll read from verse 30. First Kings 18, verse 30. <clears throat> and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him, And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the numbers of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood, contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order And cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it upon the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they they did it the second time, and he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time, and the water ran about the altar. He filled the trench also with the water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their their heart again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Not not one of them escape." And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron, and slew them there. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his own word, but keep your Bible open at that chapter, for we will refer there and other places. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, take your own word, we pray, and we ask you to inscribe it deep within our very hearts. Awaken your church that we, Lord, may... As it were, seek thy face to show us what we should do in these days in which we live. Lord, give us the backbone that we need, Father, to take a stand in these last days when evil would surround us. And Lord, all sorts and all manner of wickedness are about us. We pray that you would have us to stay true to thy word and faithful unto thee. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some may ask the question, what is the foursquare gospel? The four-square gospel is simply put like this, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is still today the Savior of the soul the healer of the body, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and he is the soon-coming king. That's it in a nutshell. Four-square gospel. To say you're four-square on something means that you are completely set upon it. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah builds an altar, and he builds an altar unto the Lord. The altar... Is not built from scratch because it's there, the basics of it are there, and it has now come into disrepair. It hasn't been used. In fact, the enemy has come and kicked it down, and no longer has it been in use for the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of animals unto Yahweh or unto Almighty God. In first Kings chapter eighteen and verse thirty it says these words And Elijah said unto all the people Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired. Notice the word. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now, the term here to repair or to that was broken down is, is the word harass. And it's a strange word because it can mean other things. For example, in Exodus chapter 23, In verse 24, the Lord through Moses says, Of idols thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and break down their images. The term utterly overthrow is the exact same word for broken down the altar of the Lord in the northern kingdom of the house of Israel, where Elijah was the prophet the man of Gilead, here we find the altar has been broken down. It hasn't been used anymore. We find today that the altar of the cross of Christ and all that was accomplished once and for all, never to be repeated again, that that altar is no longer four-square in the church. And the four-square gospel that is preached according to that altar of the one-time, once-for-all sacrifice of the blood of Christ has been watered down to fairy tales and to stories and to appeasement and to political correctness where men are now afraid to say that Christ is the only way. Men are now uh, shying away from the blood preaching a bloody gospel. Don't mention the blood because it's it's too gruesome. You know why the blood is so gruesome? Because the sin, your sin and my sin, is so gruesome. That's why it reminds us of the gruesomeness of our sin before God. Don't preach about the things of the Spirit because that might frighten people away from church. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, That it's the Holy Ghost and only the Holy Ghost who saves a man bringing him to Christ. Who saves a woman bringing them to Christ. And the second blessing of the promise of the Father in Acts chapter 2 is when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the 120 in the upper room. There is no other gospel but Christ and all he is. Don't preach the kingdom of God. Don't preach the second coming of Christ. It's too controversial. There's too many theories on it, and there's too much theology in it. Brothers and sisters, I see it as plain as the nose on your face uh, that Christ is coming again, and he's coming to set up his throne in Jerusalem. He is coming again, and we may differ how he comes, but one thing you can be assured of as you're sitting in your seat, That Christ is coming again and he's going to rule from the throne of David over the house of Jacob, over all of Israel. The kingdom of God comprises of the two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom found in the scriptures, and the glorious gospel of saving grace going west after the scattered Israel tribes. Men and women hearing of the wonderful salvation that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we find that now men are so interested in building a temple in Jerusalem, they forget that it's only through Christ that all salvation can be found. Here we find that we have lost our way from the truth of the four-square gospel. The, the revival movements and the Pentecostal movement that came up through uh, John Alexander died before Pentecost was uh, uh, in the last latter century, the beginning of it, he was in, in Chicago, and then he founded Zion, Illinois. He believed that Jesus was, in his day, the Savior of the soul. He believed with all his heart that he was still the healer of the body. Do you know, in Zion, Illinois, and Allison and I have been there, we've been to his house, we've walked around it. Obviously, he's dead. He's no longer there. We have went and we visited his grave, and there's his big tombstone there with his name on it. And, and when you go around it, you hear all of these stories that are put around the whole walls of the things that God did. Do you know there wasn't a hospital there? There wasn't even a, a doctor in the whole town. For God was moving, and God was still the same. He's still the same today. What are we missing? Where are we, brothers and sisters, with this glorious gospel? I think of men who come out of his movement, John G. Lake. John G. Lake. He believed in the kingdom message. And he went preaching the glorious gospel of salvation, healing, and baptizing of the Holy Ghost, and the soon-coming king. He went to Africa, and he started the apostolic faith movement there. Still going very strong in Africa today. John G. Lake came back, and it said he went, he prayed around the very hospital wards, and people were getting out of their beds, and it's documented in the newspapers of the day. We think of A.A. A. Allen, We think of all the the, the revival evangelists that went out in the tents all because God had said he had poured out his spirit men to God at his word and they moved in the power of that which God said he would do. Where are we tonight, church? Where are we? This is what our nation needs. It needs a show and tell gospel. A show and tell that Jesus saves the vilest of sinners. That Jesus changes lives that Jesus delivers from addiction, that Jesus breaks the yoke of men and women still this very night, men who come in full of drugs or full of drink, and he still delivers this very evening. He is still this same Jesus, the same yesterday and today and forever. He's still the same Jesus who comes in in the power of the Spirit and speaks to the church through the word, and speaks to the church on prophetic utterance, he is still this same Jesus who breathed upon the disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He is still the same. And listen, this same Jesus is coming again from heaven. He's coming, as it were, on his white charger. He is coming with the hosts of heaven with him to set up his kingdom upon this earth and you and I will not be floating off to heaven. We will meet the Lord in the air in order to return with him, and we shall rule and reign with Christ. Notice this. The utterly thrown down of idols gives the idea of what the altar of the Lord was like in the house the northern kingdom of Israel. It was broken down. For example, in Psalm 11, in verse 3, it says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Notice, the the idea, if the foundations be destroyed, is the same word. If the foundations of a nation is broken down, what can the righteous do? I I, I don't mean to be too political here, but I'm going to be. The foundations of Ulster have broken down. Not was Stormont in the church in the church oh yeah storm and a shambles but in the church the foundations broke down in the church first and the church allowed everything to come into it and the church allowed all sorts of sin to be swept under the carpet in it and the church allowed that which was watered down to come in when Jesus turns the water into wine the church turned the, the wine of the gospel into water The foundations are being torn down of our land. Same-sex marriage. Turn down the family unit strip by strip and part by part. Same-sex marriage where it's now two daddies, two mommies. I just, I seen a, a video clip just two days ago of a woman debating in America now that they want everything removed with the word man from it. Manchester won't be called Manchester anymore. they're so serious. They want to strip it away. that extreme feminism that comes out that usurps the very structure of the Word of God that God has set forth for humanity and for even the church. And notice here. We find that the foundations, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do whenever uh, they want to bring an abortion into Ulster? The, the, The slaughter of the innocent. The slaughter of the voiceless. What can the church do? What can the righteous do? Who are the righteous but those who will stand according to the word of God and say thus far and no further? Where are we, church? Churches are more now interested in having their feet up on a Sunday evening at the fire, eating their tea and toast or whatever they're doing at this time, rather than being in God's house and praising the one who saved them from all their sin. The foundations of Ulster, Britain, has long gone. The lion has lost its teeth. If you were to go to many of the cities now in England, they have Islamic mayors. Many of them, I think, there's like eighteen to twenty of them now. And the prayer cry from the minaret is sent across the city. This is, this is Britain. The nation that sent forth the young men to die in the fields of France. Whose blood was shed that you and I might have freedom and liberty. Sure, even the... I'm not a big one for saying Easter. Easter, I like to call it Passover myself. But at the end of the day, even Easter eggs aren't allowed to be called Easter eggs anymore. And you know what the church will do? They'll get up in the morning and they'll put their head in the sand and they'll just let it go on past them. But listen, CET, listen. This is a church full of young families. I know there's many not here tonight, but it's full of young families. And I want to tell you something. See your we once. See my once they're the ones when we pass on through Christ Harry, he's going to have to deal with it and live under it all. I'm not talking about being violent. I'm talking about having a voice. The church says, thus far, no further. It's like Ulster says no. By the way, Ulster still says no. I said no in 1985. And here I find myself 33 years later still screaming no. The foundations of the nation that we had and the foundations of the province, this little country of ours, are being torn down strip by strip by fifth columnists, not only without, but from within. What are we going to do? To whom do we turn, roll over, and die? No. What shall the righteous do? I'm going to make a suggestion. Let us build the altar of the Lord. Let us call the people to pray. Let us seek the face of the one who has blessed us with such abundance, who poured out his Spirit in the days of 1900, some people would say, Oh, Azusa Street, 1906, 5, 6, with uh, William Seymour. No, that wasn't the first. It was with Charles Parham in, in Tropeka, Kansas, five years earlier. And then in 1908, even after Azusa Street, we find it over uh, in... In England, in, in Kilsyth, we have a man, Harry T. He was an old elder, started seeking God, and the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. Started going to meetings with, uh, with uh, the Reverend A.A. Boddy, who was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they were over in, uh, in Scandinavia, in Sweden, with T.A. Barrett. No, the, God started pouring out His Spirit on these islands and on our nation. And listen, we then had the the the, the Welsh revival. We had all the revivals starting to spring up. Why? Because men started to build the altar of the Lord again in the church. In the church, and God poured out His Spirit upon that sacrifice. God pours out the Spirit. He pours out the fire upon the altar where there is a sacrifice. If there's no sacrifice in the individual life, don't expect the fire of God. If there's no sacrifice in CET or any other church assembly, don't expect the fire of the Holy Ghost. There's no sacrifice because the altar is in disrepair. But once you and I realize, hold on, we must get ready and we must build the altar of the Lord in our hearts and and between ourselves when we're worshiping him, what happens is we say, Lord, we are all for you and the word means nothing then. The sacrifice comes when we are dead to self and alive unto him. God has promised to pour out his spirit. We think of men like, Harry, uh, Harry T. wrote the hymn. We're going to sing it later on. With his experience in, 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 the, in, in the spirit, they were gathered in an upper chamber as commanded by the risen Lord. Speaking of Acts chapter 2, when the apostles were told to gather, and the promise of the Father, there they sought with one accord till the Holy Ghost from heaven descended like a rushing wind and tongues of fire. So the Lord, we seek thy blessing, come with glory now. Our hearts inspire, let the fire fall. As Elijah, he says, we would raise the altar of our testimony, true and clear. Christ the Savior, loving healer, Coming Lord baptizer to ever flowing grace. Isn't that lovely? Ever flowing grace and full salvation. For a ruined race, thy love was planned for this blessed revelation. For thy written word, we dare to stand. it was men like that, saw revival across the British Isles. You think of the, the Welsh Revival and a very a very vision of the Lamb came into the very meeting. The vision, the Lamb of God. God was showing himself true to his word. We think of George Jeffries coming from that. Stephen Jeffreys. We think of the old apostolic, the, uh, the Hutchison brothers. You see, all of that stuff, that's what I try to stay true to. All that they believed, the kingdom message, salvation by grace. They believed in the healing power of God and the baptizing of the Spirit, that soon-coming King, the Lord Jesus. All of those things I try to stay true to because now it's about, let's all sing about, lovey-dovey, romantic, me, 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 and you, 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 and we're all going to do, oh, do, do, and all this sort of stuff. And What about the blood now? What about the sacrifice, all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ? That's what's going to change us there. Oh, it's not, it wouldn't be easy. But then in our—by the way, this is only an introduction. I haven't turned them a notes yet. I'll have to do another week. What about in our chapter, Elijah's there with 450 prophets of Baal, Men who said in the northern house of Israel, oh, you see, well, we know God, and let's make idols. And let's put on the garb. And let's look the part. And, you know, let's just do it our way. And let's put man's religion and man's things onto the worship and totally bastardize it. It's happening today. There's prophets of Baal. Bound the altars. It's happening today. The foundations of our nation are being stripped away and destroyed through humanism. We talk about Islam. Do you know something? You and I actually, and I have no, I mean, I have no love for Islam, don't get me wrong, but you and I have more in common with Islam than what we do with the humanists. The left-wing liberals, the tree-hugging, sky-watching, furry-brain, men and women. It's these who are sick. Today I feel like, well, I'm going to marry my dog. A woman in Canada done it. You see, it's just ludicrous. Notice this. In our chapter, the 450 prophets of Baal, They said, Elijah says, You build the altar to your God, and I'll build the altar to the Lord. And the one who answers by fire, he is God. You see, God can stand the test of time. And you and I don't need to go out and be violent and, and all of these things just to show that God is on our side. No, all we need to do is get on our knees and pray. And seek his face till he come with baptizing fire again into the church. If he knocks you for six off your feet, so be it. I've known people who have prayed for God to move in their life, and when he did, they were nearly sorry that they asked for it. They couldn't move maybe for near a week. Here, here, we find Elijah with the 450 prophets of Baal. And these prophets of Baal, they start to jump up and down on the altar, crying unto God. And Elijah mocks him and paraphrases and He says, Call a little louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's away on a holiday. You want to know what else he says? Maybe he's on the toilet. <laughs> you girls are having a good laugh there, aren't you? But that's what he says. The difference is, brothers and sisters, the God of Elijah is the same God tonight, as your God, as my God, and when we put him as a word and call on him according to his word, he has promised that he will answer. But where are we, church? Look, we come to church, we're, we're afraid to express ourselves in worship in case somebody else sees us. Look, there's no bigger header needs than me when I get my, kick my shoes off, as it were. I mean, I go up and I praise God. Do you know why? Because he saved me from the depths of hell. Do you know why I praise God and I don't care what anyone else thinks of me? Do you know why I shout and yell and roar and try and do my best to play and make all the mistakes and I sing really badly, but I keep on going? Do you know why? Because Jesus died for me and he rescued me. He rescued me from a pit of despair. And he broke the chains that bound me. And I say this, I'm not trying to be offensive or promise. I couldn't care less what anybody else thinks. Because when I praise him, whether it's here or there or wherever, you might as well not be here, it's me and him. Building the altar in prayer, study. Gathering together, building the altar where we'll say, you know what? They're going to have a, a an amendment on the Eighth Amendment a, a down south soon. Maybe by May time. Maybe before it on abortion. What about what about the church going down and standing outside the Doyle? Well, sure, it's nothing to do with us. It's to do with babies. It's to do with children. these men are start to cut themselves in their desperation for something and we can see the people and, and look we need to pray because people are in desperation for something the people of ulster are, are in desperation for something to, something better they're waiting in on, on hospital beds and and they're waiting in, in, in corridors and they're looking for something better There's people who are being drugged up to the eyeballs. People tonight who maybe are sitting in the pub or the club and and there they are with so much drink in them. And and it's a, a good time at the time, but then their pocket's empty, their head's sore, and they're not realizing that they're on the road to hell. Because men won't tell them. I said this before. I said this one time and somebody made a post of it and put it on Facebook and it went all over the place. And a whole lot of Christians in England, not one unsaved person said anything, but a whole lot of Christians, especially from England, you know what they said? They sent me messages saying that I was callous and cold. And this is what I said. I would rather offend you into heaven than nurse you into hell. Today, the snowflake generation, you know what the snowflakes are? When the temperature goes up a bit, they melt away. You hurt me. My feelings. Join the club. We all get our feelings hurt, don't we? Grow up. You hurt my feelings. You shouldn't have said that about me. I didn't say it about you. I just said it in general from the Word of God. The snowflake generation of today we are telling you and I, now as Christians in a post, almost post-Christian nation, I would say it's a post-Christian country. And I hate to say it. I would nearly say if it wasn't for the African churches in England, there would hardly be any. That's the truth. Elijah, he takes the altar that's broken. Mertoli starts to repair it. The altar was a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. The altar's a place, it's a, a centerpiece. It's a place where the nation gathered round, where Israel would come and the, the northern kingdom here, but the southern kingdom, all Israel, when they were to gather before this. And they would gather there, and they would sacrifice the animals, and the blood would be shed, and their God would see and be appeased. But when Christ comes along and dies for us, God isn't appeased with the sacrifice of Christ. He's well-pleased with the sacrifice of Christ, because he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased God is well pleased with those who trust in his Son. And God is well pleased with those who will stay faithful to his word. And God is well pleased. Listen, what glorifies God? If I say to you tonight, let's close CET on a Sunday night. And we'll open up the coffee shop and we'll have a joyous time in the Lord there. What glory is there for God if I was to say to you tonight, let's close CET and we're going for a curry and a comedy night. That's what's happening. What is wrong, church? What is wrong? God saved me from going to the pubs and the clubs. The Holy Ghost told me witnessed in my heart. You don't go anymore. You don't drink it anymore. You don't do it anymore. The Holy Spirit of God witnessing in my breast, even as a young Christian just born again said, you don't do the things you used to do. You don't live how you used to live. You're a new creature in Christ the church are saying let's all go out to the pub tonight the foundations of what was built upon the men of God and the women of God who loved the Lord Jesus the foundations are being destroyed in the church I remember in a another church I pastored Not too far from here. I remember I'd been witnessing to a man in the village, and he was the most obnoxious man I know. To be honest, I'd rather have hit him around the back of the head with a two before, but the Lord says, Love him and try and win him. I'm just being honest. He was obnoxious. And all of a sudden they got a breakthrough and started to win him round. And he came out once or twice to the church. So one Sunday he was going to come out at the night time and he didn't come out. And his wife was trying to win him and I says to his wife, what happened to him? She says, well, you know, there were some out of the church. The one I was in and they were next door and they had a barbecue on a Sunday and in between meetings. There's nothing wrong with that. But they pulled out their bottles of wine, their tins of beer, and started drinking in the garden. And my husband seen them over the hedge and says, What's the difference between them and me? What's the difference, church? Church itself has a lot to ask, answer for. Institutionalized pedophilia of Rome and of Protestant denominations. Turning people away, blinding their eyes, doing the devil's work. And by the way, it is the devil's work. Make no apologies for it. Anybody who hurts a child, you're off the devil. The altar was a foundational stone in Israel. Its breakdown was uh, when it was completely overthrown and destroyed the altar then, being broken caused the people to disperse more to other things. Churches used to be full on a Sunday night. Used to have great halls. Uh, George Jeffries used to preach to thousands in the halls. And they believed the four-square gospel. And God used to visit in such a way that they had even trophy rooms to take off. Those things that were, people even that were crippled used to walk. It's in all the newspapers. You can see it. It's online. Google it. Look at it. Read it. They were coming and testing these things. God was moving. God was blessing. God was healing. And now what is it now? Let me give you an example. Let's see if one leg's longer than the other. Oh, there's it now. It's straightened out. God's healing. Really? Oh, look at that there. What's happening? And they're passing it off for the Holy Spirit. Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. I'm not saying God can't do that. But if that's the height of it, is that the height of our God? Making a mockery of the things of God. Here, the foundation of our nation is being broken down because the foundation of the church, the altar has been broken for a long time. Truths are lost, forgotten about, and God becomes a mere myth. The sheep are scattered, rendered, useless, powerless, hopeless. The nation becomes apostate, godless, atheistic, and secular. All because the altar is broken down and overthrown. Instead of Israel breaking down and utterly overthrowing and destroying the ungodly, heathen practices, Instead of them being consecrated, separated, holy, and set apart, sanctified for God, to God, and before God. Instead of them being the sons of God, which he had called them to be, elect victorious, overcomers, showing God's glory in them and through them. And instead of them defeating the enemy, destroying the works of the devil, Utterly overthrowing all principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and breaking down all idols and altars and enemy strongholds, they allowed the enemy to break down and utterly overthrow to destroy God's altar. Can you see it today in our Israel Britain? Can you see it today? First Kings 18 and 30, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The word for repaired here is the word Rapha. Hmm. You know what it means? healed. He healed the altar. He healed the altar of the Lord. Started to build it up again. And that's when we get into our reading. So that's my introduction. Heal the altar. Church, brother, sister, would you heal the altar? Don't let yourself drift off from where you used to be with God. Get into that place again. Seek his face. Seek his face. Listen, don't just seek it for your granny's bunions and her big toes stubbed in the bed, all that sort of stuff. That's all. You go around and around, oh, bless my granny, she's got a bunion. That's okay, you can do it if you want. Father, turn our nation back to you. We're sinful. We're wicked. Listen, I watched on holidays Sky News. When I get time, I can be a newsaholic. And I watch Sky News. We didn't watch that much, but in the room, maybe and maybe waiting on Allison getting ready or whatever. I'm ready before her, so I'm watching Sky News and I seen in just outside Damascus, I seen wee children, wee Muslim children, and they were crying their wee hearts out, they were lying dead, they were being lifted up, blood pouring from them, just wee children like these wee children, the wickedness. You know what one woman said? Now this was a woman, and this a, woman, a Muslim woman. And you know what she said with her children, who were seriously injured, and she was crying. She says, "I'm praying that God would take me." Now we know the salvation message. I'm not talking about that. But what she said? She asked, "Where are the Arabs?" That's just her words. Couldn't get over, come out of her mouth. Where are the Arabs? Where are all the Islamic countries, he says. Where are our neighbors to help us? Why do we have to go and turn into Israel? For they're the only ones that will reach out. Isn't that an indictment on the Muslim people? By a woman who's a Muslim. But here's the thing. God said to Israel that we bless the nations of the world through Christ. But also through our nations. Sending forth aid. Going to those places. Not unjust wars where we go and kill people and drop bombs on them because we want their oil, because we want to change their banking system, because they haven't got a centralised bank. So let's wipe them out. These new, these new world order uh, and one world government. Uh, Eat bankers. they're saying, I know what we'll do. We'll set one people against the other. We'll cause chaos, and it's happening in Britain. It's happening here. Listen, it's been happening in Ulster for 40 years. We need the altar of the four-square gospel. The Holy Ghost back in the church, not entertainment. Look, I don't mean to be offensive when I say those other things. But I'm just being truthful. And I know people will hit me for it. Don't mean in here, but well, maybe in here, but. <laughs> But outside, people hate me for it. But I don't care. This message that Christ has given us your soul is too important. Whether you're here or listening or watching online, your soul is too important. Jesus died for you that you might be saved, that you will not go to a devil's hell, that you will not burn. For eternity in a lake of fire. That you'll not be separated from God, but rather that you would accept what he has done at Calvary's tree by the shedding of his blood. The altar! The altar where he was nailed hand and foot by the horns of the altar, as it were. The nails getting into his hands and his feet. Next week, I'm going to look at the dimensions of the altar. It just talks about Christ and his cross talks about not only Christ in the cross, but the very dimensions of it show the grace of God coming into creation to show His beautiful Son, to show Him in all His glory. God bless His word to us tonight. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.